Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. This is Full Access OK. I'm Skyler Cooper with Steve Berg. Hello. And we are here to talk about another cool thing in Tulsa today. Something, again, this is becoming a theme that uh, you and I, Steve, had never seen before. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the Tulsa tunnels. A lot of big cities have their subway systems or like, a, what is it, the Lincoln Tunnel that goes under the river into Manhattan, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Tulsa obviously doesn't have anything quite that big, quite that kind of scale, but a lot of people are surprised to find out that downtown Tulsa does have some interesting underground passages that are connected and actually go for a few blocks from uh, roughly 2nd Street to 5th Street, right there in the middle of downtown Tulsa, and it's possible to walk. Part of it's underground, part of it's in the lobbies of buildings, but you can walk those three blocks without ever having to go outside. I think it's only been a couple of years that I knew they existed. And again, I've lived here my whole life, so some of these things are, I guess, well-kept secrets. But we were thinking about what should we highlight on the podcast that people might want to go do and they've not seen it, let alone, in my case, you know, heard of it for very long. And it turns out there's someone who can do this. You can take a tour uh, with someone who's very knowledgeable in it all. Yeah, the tunnels, they're not owned by any one person or any one company. It's not like it's, uh, you know, managed by the city or anything. It's a very... (laughs) loosely knit unofficial network but this guy you mentioned jeffrey tannenhaus and he is from the big city new york and so he's obviously very familiar with the concept of subway tunnels and highway tunnels and things and he's actually created a whole company uh, that is an official organized company called tulsa tours they actually cover a lot of different places all around tulsa in fact outside of downtown tulsa but he specializes in what's become known unofficially as the Tulsa Tunnels, and he gave us a personal tour. Yeah, we met up with him, started at the 2nd Street, uh, right near the parking garage at the uh, Hyatt Hotel, Hyatt Regency, and the uh, Performing Arts Center is right there. And it's uh, the first one is a tunnel built under 3rd Street in the late 70s. All right, we've walked a little bit in through the first tunnel, and just like you said, Jeffrey, I'm surprised, maybe I was just naive to think that it was going to be Indiana Jones with, you know, lanterns, but it's tile and there's elevators and lights so it's actually i don't feel much like i'm in a tunnel just maybe a tight office at this point and we are standing where now so we've just gone under the in through the third street tunnel to get across the street we're now in the basement of what's known as 320 south boston all right and there was some history here as to what the building began as can you tell us a little bit about that Sure, this uh, was a bank that was founded by a group of oil men in 1910. And then in 1917, they built their uh, new headquarters on this site at 3rd and Boston and called it the Exchange National Bank. And then as Tulsa was booming from oil, there was lots of money flowing in and the bank was gradually expanded in three different phases to its current block-wide proportions. Yeah, Steve, I think you'd really have to see the pictures and the, everything that is down here with you as you take this tour to understand how it grew. When I was a kid in the 70s, I hate to admit it's been that long, but it was NBT, the National Bank of Tulsa. So, and I'm not sure what it's called now. It's Bank of Oklahoma, I think, owns it, right? 
So that turned into the Bank of Oklahoma, yes. Um, and they maintain a branch in this in the lobby of this building, but then they built the, uh, the OK Tower across the street. Um, but they do maintain a presence here, and that they ask that we don't take any photos. So if there are people that are wandering around by themselves, no, not to take any photos of the lobby or the vault area. Mm. All right, let's so keep onward on. and downward. Yeah, let's keep on going. So we've now come down down a level here to a, an area that, as you said, no pictures. It's clearly posted there. There's the movie-looking vault <laughs> right in front of us. Is this actively used? Yes, it's used for safe deposit boxes by the Bank of Oklahoma. So this uh, vault was added when the bank was expanding. I mentioned how it was growing over, uh, over the decade. And they needed more room to put all of that money. There was no banking from your phone back then. And so this is the, the results of this giant vault that was brought here by rail car. And the bank, the bank addition was built around the vault. And this is a 20s era vault? Yes, this was added in the 1920s. Interesting that it's still in use 100 years later. All right. And can't help but notice there's a sign that says tunnel to auto ramp. I imagine that's where we're headed next. Yes, we are going to be going through this tunnel that the bank used uh, when, well, I'll tell you about it in a moment, but uh, the bank used this tunnel for its customers to connect this branch to a new motor bank that was down the block. One of the cool things that I found from this, Steve, is as you go from place to place, building to building, or tunnel to tunnel, you're kind of going through these time warps. You know, they're all almost a time capsule of each period when they were built. A time tunnel, if you will. Uh, yeah, I will. <laughs> Yeah, and it's not it's not a it's not a real precise linear progression like you don't go from 80s to 70s to 60s and 50s because these tunnels were kind of built in different places at different times. Uh, they weren't all interconnected at first. Uh, over time, there's become one continual path, if you will, through the tunnels and through the building lobbies. But they're all kind of created at different times. So we kind of started in the 80s, and then you go back to the 30s. Uh, and then you're back in the 80s again, and then you're all the way back into the, the 1920s. But Jeffrey is great at providing a really good history lesson all along the way and uh, pointing out different facts about the various buildings. And you'll actually kind of emerge from the tunnels. He'll take you up to the lobbies of buildings and then give you some of the history of the buildings. So you get a lot of good information about the stuff that's above ground as well as below ground. And one of our favorites was this giant bank vault that's in the basement of the 320 Boston building. And it's got the, you know, the classic big circular, I would guess, eight-foot-tall metal door that you, Skyler, rightly pointed out, looks like it came straight from a movie set. I know. I was waiting to see, you know, some guys in black sneaking in or the lights to go <laughs> out, like like a classic bank vault movie scene. But they are apparently, uh, it's, it's still an active vault, and they have a big sign there that says, no pictures. Yeah, they don't it, want people, in, even though you can walk right up to it. Yeah, they still don't want you to take pictures of it. All right. So once we left the uh, movie set, the next tunnel, you could tell from the terrazzo floors and the wall tile, or at least I could, because I'm a mid-century modern maniac. I defer to you on that for sure. <laughs> it was vintage 1950s, and it kind of takes this uh, diagonal and then upward turn. Uh, you don't really know where you're going because you're underground, there's no windows. But back in the day, Jeffrey told us it connected with a drive-through bank, which was a very new cutting-edge feature back in the 1950s. So as we transition, this is sort of between buildings, right? Between the banks you were explaining, and you have um, 
what it looks like an awesome copy of uh, an old brochure they had. Yes, this is a brochure from the NBT, which was proudly announcing the its motor bank uh, just down the block on 4th Street at Cincinnati. And they constructed this probably in the early 50s uh, to better accommodate the automobile age and people wanting just convenience of driving through. And they had this motor bank as well as the main branch that we just passed through that had the vault. As we continue this tunnel, each time we come through a little threshold there's a marked difference in what's on the walls, what the lighting looks like, even the floors. So yeah, so this tunnel connects the old motor bank to the main branch. And in the brochure, it says, it proudly says, that you can do all of your routine banking right from your car. No delay, no parking problem, and no need to dress up. <laughs> the tunnel between the bank and the motor bank assures safe, comfortable, all-weather passage. So it's that that can reassure us that this was not used for bootlegging or prohibition, <laughs> that it was for convenience for bank customers. And indeed, right now, we are below the sidewalk on 4th Street. And the diagram on the tour shows uh, the arrangement of these buildings and where the tunnel is. I like how they pointed out no need to dress up, because that was a thing, right? When you went to a bank, you didn't want to walk in. If you yeah. left the house, even, no matter where you were going, I think. Whether you're going to the movies or even just going to the grocery store or flying on a plane, yeah, you, we would be wearing a suit. One of my favorite spots that we walked through, Steve, was the Kennedy Building, which I fully admit, even as a native Tulsan, I don't know the names of every building downtown very well. Um, when you see it from the outside, you'll know it, of course, but walking in, it's really cool just to see how that atrium is. It runs all the way through the center and up to the 13th story. Took a quick peek in there, and then it was back underground into a tunnel. This one connects to, uh, from the Kennedy Building to the Mid-Continent Tower. Of course, most of us know that one. The, the green top right. is the giveaway there. It also has a door that um, produced a Hollywood movie quality sound effect, which I was all for. So we're in this section here, um, which is, as you said, very 80s. Um, and as you said when we started the tour, this is where there's carpet. There's some uh, indirect lighting and very 80s looking paneling. So what do you think this connection is? So we've left that motor bank tunnel and we're now going under 4th Street uh, to what's called the Mid-Continent Building that was finished in the mid-80s uh, on top of the old Cosden Building. And this tunnel uh, leads to escalators that go up to the office building so that workers can uh, park across the street and uh, go from car to work without having to go outside. I want to make sure people know that uh, as you go through, you know, we're being kind of descriptive as we can as we go, but there's so much visual here. You have to see it to understand, and especially with each tunnel looking different. And it's cool how the city or whoever, I guess the buildings, they've put the history on the walls. So Jeffrey will explain with each stop what each picture depicts, when it was, how it's different from today. You get a really, really great history lesson as you go. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it is convenient not to have to walk across streets and fight traffic. So <laughs> to this day, it still serves its original purpose. Now, Steve, you mentioned along the way how we go from sort of decade to decade. And a few times you're in the 80s because that's when sort of the second oil boom was happening around here. And there was plenty of money to put into the buildings. And some of them, like the uh, grand lobby of the Mid-Continent Building where we have come to at this point, 
is decidedly 80s. That's right. And we got a good history lesson uh, from Jeffrey about how the addition, they actually added the skyscraper portion of the 20-story tower on the Mid-Continent Tower to the original building, which was then named the Cosden Building, and how they spared no expense to match it exactly, matching a 1980s building to a 1918 building. As you can imagine, it was very expensive. But we don't want to spoil the tour. We want to leave some stuff for Jeffrey to tell you about when you go on this thing, because you really need to go experience it yourself, obviously. I mean, we can't replicate that here. All we can do is tell you about it and encourage you to go. So from there, from the Mid-Continent Tower, it was straight through. Again, you don't have to go outside to the lobby of the adjacent Atlas Life building. Jeffrey, where are we now? Because it smells delicious. Yes, that's the first thing that people notice when we enter the Atlas Life building. We can smell lunch from the Deco Deli. Yeah, this is uh, something I think I may have to come back to just for that reason, based on what we're smelling. But as far as the tunnels go, is this maybe how some business people today come over here and eat lunch, that kind of thing? Yes, so we've just left the Mid-Continent Tower and are now in the Atlas Life Building. And that uh, corridor is part of the tunnel tour, and that was done in the 1980s to connect the, the two buildings. Uh, so that you can access the Atlas Life Building, which just celebrated its 100th anniversary last year. Uh, so it's 100, more than 100 years old, and the lower level has a number of small businesses, including lunch, like Deco Deli, and soon the vacant Atlas Grill will be turned into an old-school burger place by the owners of Deco Deli. We should mention, too, as we were making our way from the Mid-Continent area, Steve, that there's a very good visual that what you guys were describing, the way the building was added on to, gives people, it's like a you know, little small scale of the whole tower. It looks great. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of interesting history lessons along the way as you go through the tunnels that really aren't technically have anything to do with the tunnels, but... Uh, makes it more fun. You learn a lot of things about what's above ground as well as you go through the tunnels. And it smells good. So let's let's go uh, move on before I get too hungry here. So after enjoying the uh, delicious deli lunch smells, we then headed to some heavy-duty history. Straight shot over to the Phil Tower, built by legendary Tulsa oil man Wade Phillips, who also built Phil Brook. And even though this is the tunnel tour, you'd be crazy not to stop and stare at the lavish lobby in the Phil Tower. Jeffrey pointed out the travertine walls and the incredibly ornate travertine vaulted ceiling where we learned about the term fan tracery. That's what they call that style of vaulted ceiling there. Again, you have to see it to believe it. Words really can't do it justice. It really takes you back with the marble staircases, brass doors, the mahogany accents. It's everything you'd expect from an oil baron from the 1920s. I get the sense we're in a very historic spot here. Am I right? Yes, you are. We are in the lobby of the Phil Tower that opened in 1928 as the tallest building in the state. Oh, wow. What is the, I know um, I had a friend who actually lived up here for a while, but what all is in this building? You mentioned there's a couple of shops here that people can come to on the lower level. Yeah, so this was built as an office building, and then it was turned residential. The upper floors were around 2004, and the lower floors remain commercial. And then on the ground floor, there is a uh, tea shop, there is a toffee and chocolate shop, and also Rose Rock, which some people may remember from the box yard, the micro creamery moved to the Phil Tower lobby. So it smells like waffle cones and toffee and tea. It's, it's pretty good. Good call for the uh, people from Boxyard, because I've been to that place at Boxyard. 
And so if you're missing it, this is where it's at. Now, Steve, when we decided to do tunnel tours, I thought the whole thing was going to be Indiana Jones. Right. You know, it's just what I thought they were going to look like. And as Jeffrey has pointed out along the way, uh, you know, there's lights. Some of them have carpet. You know, they're not all underground, like, you know, hand-dug tunnels. There is one, though, when we got down to the grand finale, definitely the first and oldest tunnel on this tour. And it did have that Indiana Jones atmosphere that I, that I that we were both sort of looking for in all of this. Yeah, it was cramped. It was narrow. There was kind of the old, you know, dim, flickering lights. And that's usually the one they feature in the pictures for their promotional materials for this. And that's why they save it for the last, because, you know, I think it is the best. And I think that's what everybody's looking for when they talk about old tunnels, which, as Jeffrey pointed out, he gets the same question every time, were these used for bootlegging? Because it was the 1920s. It was during Prohibition. But uh, sadly, maybe to say, he says, no, they, they weren't. But uh, we did find out what they were used for. And, and it is actually, it's not bootlegging, but it is kind of interesting. And as we leave the Phil Tower, we're about to hit a pretty important part of the tunnel, aren't we? Yes, so we're right now in this fan-vaulted neo-Gothic lobby, um, but under this, in the, in the basement, there is an original oil man's tunnel that Wade Phillips, Phillips built to connect the Phil Tower here across the street with the Phil Cade building that was under construction. So this tunnel goes underneath Fifth Street. All right, let's do it. Uh, you'll probably talk about when we were down there, but the reason was back in the 20s, uh, if you were a rich guy, uh, kidnapping was a real thing, was a real concern back then, or even your family. Indeed, that is one of the reasons that Wade Phillips gives up the Philbrook, which you can now enjoy as an art museum uh, that was his built as his home, and he decides to relocate on top of the Philcade building. He builds a penthouse on top of an office building, because it was like a fortress in the sky, and uh, because indeed there was organized crime and gangsters that were thriving in the 1920s, and uh, with someone of Wade Phillips's wealth, it was certainly, a, he was a target, and so was his family. Uh, he had, uh, actually he had two tunnels built. Most people don't know that there were actually two tunnels, but the one that we're at now is the only one that's accessible uh, to people. So uh, we can open up this original door uh, that Oklahoma zinc miners tunneled underneath Fifth Street to get from the Phil Tower to the Phil Cade. Very echoey. Yeah. All right, so how far down do we go? We can go all the way to the other door. That's not too far, but again, it's locked, so we gotta go back the same way. This is what I thought the whole thing was gonna be, I gotta be honest. <laughs> Woo. It's definitely eerie, for sure. So we're walking under Fifth Street. It's very dark at this end as well. Yeah. So we've reached the end of the road. Yes, you heard right. Just for dramatic effect, Jeffrey switched the light off, and it was definitely a little spooky down there. Now, sadly, we found out the owner of the Phil Cade building across the street from the Phil Tower doesn't want people in the basement of the Phil Cade building, so that was the end of the road. Maybe at some point the owners will reconsider, and, and hopefully Skyler people can get the full effect of traversing the entire tunnel uh, under Fifth Street between the Phil Tower and the Phil Cade. Yeah, it is cool to get to at least walk down to that that end of it where the locked door is, but yeah. it would certainly complete the story, the, the yeah. tour and everything if you could 
finish that tour in the Philcade building. Yeah, it's it's hard to to overcome that feeling that you're being shortchanged just a little bit, but it's still extremely cool. As we said, Jeffrey's from New York, and we found out that uh, he discovered Tulsa when he was riding his bicycle cross-country from New York to California, came through Tulsa, and liked it so much, he decided he wanted to live here and start a business. And how's that for an endorsement? It doesn't get much better than that. I know, and it, he's just a perfect example of the people we talk about a lot, which is people from out of town who come through, love it, and make it home or or want to highlight it. And then you have us who are from here, and I think we just don't give our hometown enough credit for being so cool. And back in New York, I actually was a tour guide. I started off on the double-decker buses and then branched out uh, to doing walking tours. I worked for a corporate event company and did tours for them. So um, it wasn't out of uh, left field that I began doing tours in Tulsa, but no, I never moved here thinking I would start a tour company. Well, I think you're a prime example of what we talked about at the top of the episode, which is people who come in from out of town and have a whole different experience than what Steve and I do as natives, and you've made it a business, and you can help natives like us learn about our own city, which is super cool. Yeah, I really enjoy bringing people or having people uh, who have spent their whole life in Tulsa and they have family or themselves maybe have worked in these buildings when they were much younger. And um, they say that they learn more about Tulsa in an hour and a half than they did in 60 years of living here. So whether it's the tunnels, the Art Deco, whatever you want to tour in town, check out Tulsa Tours. Jeffrey, how can people find you, get a hold of you and, and book a tour? The best place is on the website, which is simply tulsa.com. Tours. That's going to do it for episode four of Full Access OK. Thank you so much for listening and subscribing. We would certainly appreciate it if you want to share with your friends, if you love this episode or you've loved any episode so far. And Steve, we want people to kind of throw us some ideas because we have a lot of cool things lined up, but we want to hear what other people want to see and hear from. You can email me, skyler.cooper at krmg.com. That's Skyler with an E. And you can email me at steve.berg, that's B-E-R-G at krmg.com. This is Full Access OK. We'll be back next week. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.